So I guess we're kissing in the metaverse and Snap has a selfie drone. Welcome to Metaversity, your first stop for everything in the new frontier of metaverse and everything blockchain. I'm Chris with Kristen and we'll explore and learn this new world together. So I thought we'd kind of kick off today by talking about what the role is for VR and AR in the metaverse. We've talked a lot about them, but I still think that's a kind of a confusing topic. And at the same time, we talk a lot about how VR is kind of a gaming tool um, inadvertently and then how AR, we have kind of this future vision of it, but maybe where it plays a role today and, and where it's going as well. So I kind of thought that might be a, a neat way to start, especially with, you know, some of the topics we have a little later on. Yeah. Well, and plus we where I guess our audience could be pretty diverse here, but generally speaking, a lot of people don't understand still a lot of this stuff. And so that's kind of our role, right? To help. Or metaversity to help teach. And yes. To help educate and um, inform based on everything that we know so far anyway. Right. Because mm -hmm. in the end, this is a knowledge mountain and we are just barely getting started. <laughs> sure. We're certainly well, you not know, at the even, you know, starting out mm -hmm. with with this and we're 15 episodes in and actually since doing the podcast, I've learned in a huge amount of, sure, of sure. information along the way as, as well. So yeah, I mean, I've been everybody, everybody's learning about this immersed, technology. Right. Um, and, you know, preparing to do the podcast, you kind of. You think you know something and then you're forced to look into some articles and you learn new stuff. Sure. And then but I mean, here's the thing. Like I've been very immersed in this for the last I don't know, three or four years. Right. And even still, it's like, oh, OK, yeah, I didn't know that. All right, cool. Well, mm -hmm. that that fits in this way. Like this puzzle piece goes here and it just kind of expands kind of your big picture for where we're headed and what we're doing. So. Um, I mean, do you want to start with like, okay, we've talked, yeah. I feel like we've probably talked about this before, but like VR is virtual reality. AR is augmented reality. Sure. XR is kind of the overreaching term, um, meaning extended reality, which is, it's all of it. Right. Generally. Well, and then we could break it down with VR, um, to kind of kick it off with, uh, like you said, is, is virtual reality. And really, um, I think to kind of help out with that virtual reality is uh, when you see the people wear the headsets, like right. like the full headsets, not glasses, not anything else. It's a headset goes on your head. Well, your senses um, are completely like engulfed so that you are immersed. That's yep. where this whole immersion word comes and, in. So and typically what? you might have some controllers that goes along with it on your hands. And then some of them actually see your hands like um, yeah, Oculus some of them does do. that. So you don't have to use an actual like you can they come with it it depends on depends on the game or whatever gestures. um and then you know if you get into some of the more advanced stuff on one of the previous podcasts we talked about some of the um virtual reality experiences that you could go to have maybe more advanced stuff like the uh yeah, 360 treadmills and, yeah. and that kind of stuff so well and then there's also like this more um mixed version towards uh, so if you think about um, virtual reality and augmented reality kind of on a spectrum, right? Like one is on one side of, of a line and AR is like on the other side, right? Mm -hmm. There are, there's a midpoint and on either side of that midpoint is where the mixture of the two happens, but in different directions. So this is kind of what's neat. So like I could go 
to a place and have a mixture of those two experiences together and leaning more towards um, VR, it's the world around me is a blank slate. Like, for example, when I've gone, um, we've talked about going and say and playing like um, uh, laser tag or something. Right. And the world, there, there are physical walls, but they're really, um, <laughs> they are exactly mapped to whatever it is that you're experiencing in the VR headset. So you can walk through and you will physically feel walls. Sure. But you see them as brick walls in your VR headset. Right. Um, you can go kind of the other side of that. Um, but we don't have a lot of experiences yet that really kind of take you there. Right. So like that's as close as people get right now to that midpoint is kind of sure. that, you know, still very immersive experience, but it's right. mixed a little bit. So, um, and we're, we're actually still kind of in a, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, stuff you just mentioned is still kind of in the gaming world, I think. Yeah. I think uh, you see a lot of technology kind of need, enter that area first right. because it's just like the easier entry point. Right. Well, everybody likes to play games, but you know, with that kind of immersive world, there's a lot of things that are not gaming that come along with it that actually already exist today and then I think are going to be expanded upon. So something that gets overlooked a lot, everybody thinks gaming. That I think that's the number one thing. Um, but I think the second thing that we've actually already talked about on the show is uh, gaining access to things or locations that you wouldn't necessarily have. So even though we say it's virtual reality and we often talk about the world being a, a virtual world, Sometimes the locations, even though you're visiting it virtually, are actual physical locations. Sure, like homes or so, office buildings. Yeah. Or, if you know, if you don't have the means to travel, you could go visit um, virtual, virtually locations. Actually, like, you know, you could go to Rome or you could go to Egypt and you could tour those locations uh, virtually if you don't have the means to fly out there. Uh, I also think... It gives people the ability, you know, we're, we're not all going to be astronauts. So it gives you the option to go visit places like the International Space Station or, or maybe at some point we'll be able to walk on the moon or walk on Mars virtually because, you know, we have that virtual headset where right now that's that's an impossibility for somebody to do. And we're always thinking games, but those are some other things that people could potentially do with those headsets. Sure, sure. I mean, yeah, I, I'm more excited about kind of where this heads next. So I assume you're going to be talking about AR now. We, we are. I got a couple more things on the VR too. Oh, okay. So, you know, with the VR, you think about kind of the, the virtual uh, locations, but, you know, from a business standpoint, we can also meet virtually as well. I think a lot of people after the pandemic, um, I, I say after I, you know, I, I feel like there's COVID still on the news a lot, but you know, more and more people are meeting back in the office, but I think maybe it, the better, <clears throat> better milestone here is after quarantine, after because. quarantine might be the, the better thing. Cause some places are kind of wide open and some places aren't. And I think I heard that China's back under lockdown. So it I don't depends know on where you are. Really came out, but yeah. Uh, but the, the idea of having a technology that'll allow you to still meet and what will feel like a more personal um, 
environment or more intimate environment versus, um, you know, when we all did zoom, we were just looking at, you know, people's faces on a posted stamp and, you know, a lot of jokes and memes came from that, but, you know, being able to meet in what feels a little bit more like a office environment, even if it's a virtual office environment and interact with people virtually, uh, I think will be, uh, kind of a, what a lot of businesses may be looking to in the, in the future, but you know, practically there's also cost savings there. Cause you could have people in California and New York and stuff like that still visit each other. Sure. Sure. I mean, if you don't have to travel, but you can still feel like you're meeting in person mm-hmm. by Absolutely. just strapping on a headset. Yeah, I get that. And then, you know, there's probably a ton of other things I'm not really thinking about. I've got, I've got one. What's that? So when we do, start to like venture into this um, next phase of the world, right? Where we have a digital twin in order to place your experiences for augmented reality to experience, you actually will have to go into virtual reality in order to place it in the digital twin. Probably. Yeah. That Um, makes sense. So like if you have an art exhibit, you have to know where to put it. So right. that it is exactly on the wall or it, right in exactly this spot in the park or whatever. Um, advertising changes in this new world. So like, you know, nobody reads billboards anyway anymore. So instead they become this next iteration of what marketing right. is. You know, maybe there's a guy that leads you to the pizzeria and he's like, hey, you know, like a little cartoon guy or something. But you have to know where to place that and what to look out for. Right. Exactly. And then you actually just reminded me of one kind of, uh, with that as well is right now we currently do a lot of training, uh, through VR. Mm -hmm. I know that astronauts train that way. Pilots train that way. And and that makes perfect sense. I mean, you probably have somebody who already has a pilot's license before you get to this point, but I don't think that the, uh, the, the government is very willing to strap somebody into a multi-million dollar fighter jet and say, Hey, Go go learn how to fly this, I mean, and off you go. It's VR, but isn't but, it kind of more mixed between the two because they get a lot of the knobs and dials and everything in their well, hands. Well, yeah, so VR and augmented at the same time yes. with that one because if you get in a flight simulator, I mean, it's a complete virtual world. Um, and well, you know, it's actually both. It's a it's your map placed inside a virtual world, and then you know you do have the physical elements of it. You still have the normal fighter pilot cockpit that they're in and you know they have everything they have to reach yeah, for knobs and dials knobs and, and dials all and of that all of that kind of stuff and then not to go not to get into something that feels a little bit like um oh gosh what was that that movie where they were like dreaming and then in a dream and then in a dream after oh, that. inception inception yes. not to go total inception in you but a lot of these pilots now have the uh the ar helmets Mm-hmm. So they're wearing their AR helmet inside the VR simulation. That's got to be kind of weird. So now yeah, we're getting into the weeds there, but I was just thinking about tricky. that. They have all that, yeah, that technology. On. So Let's do it. So that's kind of the uh, the VR side of it. And then I think people who uh, really know where the vision of the metaverse is going. This is all part of the metaverse. Mm-hmm. So this is all part of the greater part of it. Yes, um, all of it, despite <clears throat> what some are trying to pitch. Yep, absolutely. Uh, it is all. It is the XR vision of um, where we're headed. The XR version it's, of it. Yeah. Um, but I feel like a lot of people 
who are really passionate about it uh, are a lot more excited about the AR. I know, I know you are. So yeah. Um, well, before we even got through VR, you're talking about the AR I side know, of it. You're, I can't help myself. You can't help like, yourself. And I just, uh, I know, but, I feel like I know better where we're headed and that is kind of cool. And I, I mean, not to, you know, downplay the coolness of VR. I get it. It's cool. I have, I have a headset. Like I, I play on it. I love playing paintball. So well, I get I, it. I think VR has some issues. So here's, Actually, it's probably not a bad thing to talk about. And these are issues that will be overcome with time. And and we actually will talk about in a minute where people are starting to overcome these. VR kind of loses out a little bit with the the senses. So visually, we have that kind of captured yeah. with a headset. You can <laughs> enter a virtual three-dimensional world and look around. But then when it comes to interacting with stuff, that's still kind of difficult. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you it, are limited there's no to readily available like haptic feedback. Right. And haptics, what we think it needs to be, or we talk about a lot, but maybe there's another technology out there. Yeah. For those of you like um, not sure what haptic is, uh, your phones do it. Most phones do. Yeah. It if you don't, days. you don't have the button, you press the virtual button and it feels like you push a button. Yeah. Like when you you're touching your screen and you get that kind of bump on the phone. Right. Um, so you, you have five senses that have to be incorporated in order for anything digital to feel real. And we just, we're a long ways off, I think, from, um, from the, the sense of smell and the sense of taste, right? But that does leave your sense of hearing, vision, and then touch, and and we have vision and hearing, but yes. we don't. But touch is the one we're still kind of working on. Hearing is kind of the on. one too, though. Like if you think about it, um, I don't know that everybody immediately understands why hearing is already sort of achieved. Um, when you have a single speaker that can give you surround sound, like the bars that you have under your TV, <clears throat> mm -hmm. you are like we've already sort of achieved the way to immerse you in content. Right. Right. It it's easy to say that whether we realize or not. Audio was probably the first step we took in I VR. I think it really was. You Surround a, sound. You go to the movies. Set on, and you can you feel like you can hear the guy sneaking up behind you in a game or in a movie. Right. Um, and then of course the visual, where we're still making giant strides in that you know arena, but um, we run up against issues sometimes with um humanoid figures in VR. Well, the same we get in movies, honestly, you get this weird, like, um, I guess it's the uncanny Valley, right? Right. Where, where it's like sort of there real, but like something's off, well, you know, even, and it kind of fools you a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know that I feel like that's a stumbling block. I think the stumbling block for me is if you're, if you're in a game and you, um, I'm just going to say, uh, you bump your head on a log. I know that sounds like a silly one, but trying to keep it more PG, nobody's getting shot or heads right, cut right, off or anything. Right. But you bump your head on a log. Not that I want to feel like I just got a concussion, but you know, if you got that kind of sensory feedback that maybe you, you bumped into something, would well, that would be the touch. Would be the touch side of it, and would go a long way for a lot of lot of games. Yeah, and right now most of it is centered around getting you some kind of haptic feedback on your hands. And mm -hmm. we mentioned uh, some TV shows and stuff that we had been watching on like Amazon or whatever that had like uh, I think it was uploaded that had the suit that right. You know, uh, it, if you haven't watched it at this point, I'm, I'm serious. I think it's on Amazon it. for what it's yeah. worth. But um, but 
basically right now you see a lot of the the haptic technology centered around just your hands. Your hands are how you experience a lot of the world. And so it makes sense that they would go there first um, from a, you know, Mm -hmm. giving you the sense of touch standpoint. But uh, you found recently an article that actually went a completely different direction on giving you the sense of touch, right? So, yeah. um, There's a group. I want to just skip ahead here. So uh, there's some scientists out of Pennsylvania that they made some modifications to, it was actually an Oculus 2. Okay. Um, They added an array. I'm going to kind of read this to make sure I don't get it wrong. They added an array of transducers integrated just underneath the headset that allow them to basically um, apply different forces or vibrations to your lips, your teeth, and your tongue. With like air or... Like little no, bursts of air? I don't um, understand. No, it's... Uh, da, 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 um. Yeah, I mean... Well, we watched... There's a video yeah, of Yeah, there's a video of it. And I'll put the thing on there. But no, it's 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 a transducer. So it's it's uh, not like shooting air at you, but it is disturbing You know, the air. It's, it's close and it's directional. So it doesn't have to like touch your lips. It's, okay. But That's it gives you the same kind of haptic feedback. Um, that if, if you were like touching something and so at first it, it seems like it's really kind of a bizarre concept. And if you've got kind of a dirty mind, it runs, you know, all different directions, Sure, but But it actually kind of makes sense. So you watch the video and in the video, they have somebody who's experimenting with it. And one of the examples they, they have is they made kind of a, a cheesy little game where you're riding a motorcycle and if you hit like a, a mud puddle, it taps all over like your your lips or whatever to simulate, you know, the the water from the mud puddle hitting your your mouth. And then they chose the mouth because past your fingers, right? It's one of the most sensitive areas of your of your body. I'm sure. I think it was it, like the second or maybe third. Right. And it's so, probably that and a combination of the fact that they could put it all on the headset. And they could put it on the headset probably helped. And so, you know, it, it did these little touches and then, you know, when you're just driving the motorcycle, um, it would actually do like a swipe from the middle out on, on your lips. So it kind of mimicked the, the air, um, going around your face or blowing in your face. Okay. Um, and then, you know, some of the weirder ones were, uh, the spider one was weird. The spider one was weird and freaky, but they had a brushing your teeth one. Where, you know, you showed your teeth and it would it would kind of do different motions on your teeth to mimic brushing your teeth that, that went along with the the virtual toothbrush. So it was it was actually really kind of neat. Um the group is from Carnegie Mellon and you know they're part of their future interfaces group. Uh we had a friend at one point went to uh UCF that worked on like future interfaces too. Right. And it's kind of neat some of the stuff they do. But that's kind of the future. Like this was actually something that didn't require you to wear a glove. And I think that was the point is they were using these transducers that allowed them to do that without putting something else. Like when you talk about that suit, that suit sounds 
terrible. The idea of like putting something on to give you that feeling well, and sounds very, <laughs> very uncomfortable. And, I think they made you know, it comedic for the show because the show right. was a comedy, but it was it was a wetsuit, essentially completely sealed. With a bunch of things. That, that had hoses that you could attach. You had to sit like in your bathtub or something. And yeah, it they, was get, very they put water in it and they used the water along with these like little tubular things that look kind of like coral. And those moved inside the suit and gave you the sensation of being touched in some way. Which now we, we obviously don't crazy. feel like that technology is real. It's it's a no. comedic thing. But this gets more into the realm of something that I think somebody in their home would do. Um, you know. Yeah. It was it was I was surprised at how being kind of like a prototype, how not bulky it was. Well, if you uh, think about it was kind of just attached to the bottom. But you could easily see right. where they could put a housing around it and it would just look like a normal headset. So do you remember headset. the first version of the um, VR headset that we played with? I think it was Oculus's version. I, it wasn't It wasn't Oculus. It was Quest or something. And they had camera, uh, like little cameras that you placed around the room that watched you, that helped you, like help know where you were and all of that. Do you remember that? Yeah, so the that was when it was still Oculus, um, and I think it was the Quest okay. one. And maybe. then um, if you think about like other technologies, so I'm, I'm going to piece some stuff together here in my brain, okay? So that's the first piece. Keep that in mind. The next piece is we've watched a lot of people trying to um, make wireless charging a thing, okay? So like you just walk in your house and the air around you, like that's your charging for your phone or whatever device, right? So like no matter where you are, mm -hmm. you're always charged. If you think about how you could kind of pair this together to make that vision, if you had stuff in your house that allowed for you to experience your VR things, but exp but also get those, the what were they, transducers? Transducers, yeah. If those transduce transducers were placed strategically around the room, they could actually give you that feedback with very little like difference in your actual physical environment, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it'd be really kind of neat to experience things like that. And that's probably, I mean, I, that feels like a logical path to go with this. Like you right. try to make it so, you know, your first steps, your first kind of uh, prototypes for this stuff tend to be very like bulky and crazy or whatever. But in the end, where that probably heads, not too distant in the future, is something like that. Like we used to have Bose surround sound speakers that you had to have all of these things around the room in order to get that experience. And now you get it in a sound bar. Right. right? Now it can be simulated in a way that's still very realistic and yeah, it's smaller exactly. package. And so if you think about it, that's kind of the path that technology walks. I mean, even, you know, computers and stuff have walked the exact same path. They start out huge. And they scale down over time as technology improves, right? right. And that's kind of how I would envision this would go, honestly. Yep. And then that would be pretty neat. Like yeah. that starts to well, get more into that mixed. Now your environment starts to feel also like, you know, yeah. this digital well, mixed <clears throat> thing with your, you know, VR. Well, actually, after reading the article, the first article I saw was in, you know, uh, was a was a location that you know, usually has some like pretty crazy stuff in it. And it's not very believable, the uh, online tabloid kind of thing. And then the second one was actually like a pretty legit site. And I was reading and then we watched the video together. And you know, what's kind of interesting is, you know, touch is, is, is kind of an interesting thing. And I don't think anybody thinks about it, but 
when we play on our phones or you do stuff on your phones, um, you know, for a while, uh, if you had an iPhone, they got rid of the button. Like the button didn't push anymore. You just had the, the right, fingerprint sensor. To, yeah. But I mean, it sure felt like when you were pushing, putting your thumb on there that you were pressing a button. And then if your phone battery ever died and you push that button, it always kind of felt weird because you were expecting that sensation of, yeah, of the nothing. push. And there was, there, there was nothing because there there's wasn't, no push. It wasn't really a button. So it's amazing with that kind of technology, how easy it is to fool your brain. If your brain's already thinking it should be a button push and there's a little thump there, right? your brain's like, oh, that's a, well, that's and a thing. You so know, that actually you, speaks to the fact that you kind of have to step people through right. that technology advancement. Like they probably understood that the haptic stuff pretty early on would be the way they were going to go, but they had to phase out the button. Right. Because there was a physical button. Well, and I, yeah, exactly. And I think what made the article originally kind of feel a little less legitimate is because they, they actually titled it the same thing that I started out the, the podcast with was, you know, you could kiss in the metaverse. Um, but the, the legitimacy of it is, you know, if your brain thinks you're having water splashed on your face and they do little taps all over your lips because you'll feel it there, you're probably going to believe that's water. Right. Like you'll, you'll probably feel it. Well, think and about, uh, you know, we've done a lot of these like different experiences living in central Florida. We go to the theme parks all the time mm -hmm. and you do these little experiences where you're like watching something and the seats around you help, um, blow, bring blow you some in. air on you yes, or splash a little, little mist bit of water. Of water. And I hate that. I hate that part of the experience, by the way, I, I understand why they're doing it. And it, it but is, it, but it feels, it feels it real. Feels it pulls, pulls you in. But imagine if it didn't have to be like, what if it wasn't actual water? Like I wasn't be, being squirted with this mist. Instead, it was these transducers that were in the seats around me that actually helped me experience that mm -hmm. sensation exactly. without, without having to be water, I feel like is probably gross. Yeah. You know, when absolutely. was the last time those things were cleaned out? Like well, they, they squirt water nonstop. It's probably fine. It's I weird. don't know that it is. I'm just saying like, it makes me feel icky. It's my least favorite thing in all the <laughs> ways that you experience these things at the parks. But you, know, well, you heard it here. Kristen does not want any VR or AR experiences that involve water. Not actual water. <laughs> this I'm just saying, like, ew, ew. <laughs> so I I I think I think it's pretty cool. I hope that somebody integrates that tech into their headsets. I'm sure they will. Um and, and you'll get to try it out. Or would they do better, be, like I said. Like they or they'll they may have, they may do like a room setup. I'm not sure how far these transducers can, can shoot, but. Or if you end up putting it on like the, um, those like, I forget what they're called now, but you, for VR where you stand in it. It's oh, like the, the 360, uh, treadmills. Yes. And put it inside there. Yeah. You could put it in that. So, cause that already has sort of like a cage and you're, you're harnessed to it. And you know, it would be easy to put a couple of those in there and give Just you the sensation of being touched, touched or tapped or something. Yeah. So we skipped over it and jumped straight to the, uh, well, cause it, it made it sense. It kind of made sense. Yeah. Jump straight to the, the VR headsets, but to back up a second, let's talk about AR. Um, and so with AR, I know this is a, a one you're hugely passionate about, but I also think, well, multiple people in the, the industry that are working on AR, whether, you're talking about, uh, you know, Zuckerberg or you're talking about uh, Evan Spiegel. 
they all know that AR glasses are kind of, uh, and I think I've even said it, kind of the holy grail of the metaverse. Well, I mean, they're because, the next logical step in you know, well, where it, we're going with Exactly. Computers. And for me, I think the most exciting part about it is the heads up mentality, which we've also mentioned here before. Right. So AR, kind of to back up, kind of jumping into it, is augmented reality. And um, there's a couple different ways you can define it, but really what it comes down to is you're using the real world as your landscape and then you're placing digital concepts or bad guys or objects or whatever you want to call them inside the real world. So you get the, you know, an overlay of items in the real world. And if you have a true map of that real world, the objects can be behind other items, not right. just they placed. call that occlusion. Yeah. So they can be, you know, sitting on your couch and then get up and walk behind the couch and you would see them or part of them even disappear behind that couch. Right. So these items can be basically placed in um, kind of the real world. Right. And, and have that depth perception. Yeah. And and we have some uh, augmented reality examples today. They're, they're very basic. A lot of them are, um, but they do kind of fit in that augmented reality. There's, there's aspects of Pokemon go. We've used that one a lot that are augmented reality. And they've been um, working on, well, they bought a company called 60 AI, right? It's like the number six D dot AI. And, um, what they, what those folks were actually working on was, um, occlusion, that occlusion piece. And so when Niantic, who owns Pokemon Go and the Harry Potter one, and I think there's another one. Um, oh, Bloom. Anyway, um, when they bought them, they started working on including the occlusion, um, say that 10 times fast, uh, into their games. Right. And so there's there's videos of that. And of course, they're, they want to build a map. A lot of companies actually want to build the map. They want to own the map and all of that. But... They're doing that so that they can start taking that next step forward instead of creating it themselves by a company that's already kind of worked that piece out. And 60 AI was kind of interesting because they they used like cameras to sort of see the world. And that way you could take um, balls and throw these balls and it would like hit objects and logically bounce off of the object like the way you think a ball would bounce. Mm -hmm. At exactly the point when it hit the, like a car or a tree outside. That was kind of their examples and their videos and stuff. And this has been a few years now. Um, They bought 60 AI, I feel like right Right. around the pandemic. Maybe right before. And so Pokemon's kind of a a good example of one. And of course, Snapchat's been doing filters for a long time. And I know filters seem kind of weird probably to a lot of people it's like, well, that doesn't feel very augmented reality, but it, but it absolutely is. Um, you're you're changing, you know, someone's appearance based on their actual appearance. Um, putting, you know, dog ears on them or putting them in a dream world or changing their facial fiction. Love playing with these. Um, play with them all the time. You know, when anytime we're like waiting for a table at the restaurant, our youngest pulls it out and we take silly pictures and stuff together. Um, what's neat is they, they're, they do all the facial mapping. So it's just like mapping your world. They map your face and determine where your eyes and your nose, and your mouth are. And if they're open or closed or smiling or frowning or whatever, and then saying, if this, then do this. Right. And they add the, the different filters. So like if I open my mouth, the dog tongue flops out or whatever, I can vomit rainbows or whatever it is. Right. 
Uh, and you know, you're starting to see theme parks are adding a lot of those experiences too. So sure. if you're, you're on a ride, you'll, um, you know, the, one of the first ones, and we probably never even thought it was like augmented reality is if you rode on the haunted mansion, um, they didn't, they did it in a very low tech way, but you know, towards the end, you always have the ghosts that appear inside your cart yes. with you. Yes. And that's a, that's Pitch a hikers. version of, um, augmented reality. And, you know, it adds a lot of the lot to the ride for a lot of people. And then now you're starting to see that with some of your fancier rides. So if you're talking about, you know, Disney world that has rise of the resistance, they have all kinds of craziness in there. And it, it starts to get very blurred is to what parts of that are augmented reality versus actual physical objects they put in there. And I bet you could ride that thing 10 times and, you know, miss on guessing some of them because they've done such a good job. Sure. Um, there's different pieces and aspects of well, it. Well, I remember the first time I saw when we did, um, I think it was Rise of the Resistance when we did that one and you, you go in and they have the holograms. Yeah. And I remember going, my God, how did they do that? Because I It took I, a couple times going yeah, on the ride before we kind of figured it out. I was like, oh, okay, I, can, I see that. And I don't want to ruin that for anybody else. So, you know, whatever. But I was like, is it going to be like, is it strings? Are they projecting on something that you like fishing line? You can't quite see, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't the old fashioned, fog. terrible. Yeah, I was about to say that. It wasn't the old fashioned, terrible uh, holograms where you know the the fog would or come mist. up or mist or whatever it is that they'd spray up and then you'd see the the really bad projection on it. It you know it looked like if you're a, a Star Wars fan, it looked like the the holograms or Just the light. images from from like the movie, and you were kind of like, holy crap, you know how how'd they do that? Yeah. Um, but you know all the way through that ride is all based around different aspects of. VR and AR for that matter. There's the, you know, if you ride that ride, there's kind of like this initial shuttle ride that starts it off and you go in there and that's probably a little bit more VR, even though you're inside of a craft, but it's, there's screens it's a mixed all around. Reality experience. Yeah. It's a mixed reality maybe experience. I've heard that term before, but it's, it's basically this midpoint between VR and AR. It's, it's a mixture. Yeah. You're not wearing a headset like you would think you would normally be, but right. You're, you're in a craft that moves around that gives you the feeling of motion and there's screens that are uh, projecting a, they a, a even 3D have amazing animatronics that help animatronics and all this stuff and they make it feel so real yeah it feels and very real it's easy to get drawn into yeah, the experience you are immersed and that is the point of VR and you know that's kind of if you think about it that's that's kind of where the, the future is, is you get on that ride and you know aspects of it are fake. There's parts of it you see and you go, oh yeah, that's that's fake or that's an animatronic. But everything is so close that you you can ride that and until you've ridden it a couple times and you start going, okay, now I want to know how they do it. Yeah. The first time you ride it, um, now I know they break down a lot, so that if hopefully that doesn't happen the first time yeah, you ride it. Yeah, but kind of steal the magic away. But. but, you know, the first time we rode it, we were fortunate enough to ride all the way through without any issues. They yeah. didn't have to skip any parts of it because it was broken down or anything like that. And it, it drew you into the story. You rode it. It was like a 20-minute experience. Uh, and you felt very kind of pulled into it. And it was a, an amazing thing. And it was all virtual reality, as you put it, mixed reality. It was, yeah, all, definitely Because there was VR aspects, AR aspects, um, I'm, live it, action people in the there. The whole thing is crazy. The goal was to your brain into making you think that you were in the resistance and you had been, you know, kidnapped or whatever and you were in trouble. 
and they completely pulled it off. Right. And, and then and then they they continued that by doing that same thing essentially in the entire land and then everybody that is you know a cast member um at the park continues that experience even further by by acting like they are mm-hmm. you know people that live on Batu or whatever. Right. So I I kind of put a couple tried to come up with a couple examples and and maybe you've got a couple too. Um so with AR it's it kind of falls into the same trap because gaming is where you get a lot of early adoption. Sure. So with AR, you see it in Pokemon and uh, maybe even see it in some of these um, uh, uh, amusement park rides and and that kind of stuff. And I feel like it's a ride, but it feels very kind of a, a game or experience type thing. But I think the future of it is going to be in kind of uh, practical applications too. So one of the ones that I came up with is uh, police officers. So right now, um, if you think about a police officer when they make a traffic stop, they pull somebody over. A lot of times they run their plate and they can do that from their police car. So that's kind of a safe place to do that. But then they walk all the way to the window, the driver, most cases, where they ask them for their driver's license, registration, and all that info. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of times after they gather that stuff, they walk back to their car right? um, so that they can look that stuff on their computer. And if you think about it, that's a lot of time. You know, most people they pull over are people like me that are going 10 over because they're in a hurry somewhere and they're just not thinking about what they're doing. But there's also those people that are you know, not great people in the world. And if they could come to the window and they had a pair of AR glasses that could look up that person's information and display their readout to them right there. So they don't have to take their eyes off of back to that heads up concept. They don't have to take their heads off their eyes off of that person while they're in the car. I I feel like they would feel a lot more uh, at ease in that situation. Sure. Because a lot I mean, can happen when you can go back to, you know, yeah. your squad car. Turning your back to walk back to the car could definitely be a very dangerous, you know, thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I hadn't really thought about it in that application before. Yeah. But, and that one's a little bit more heads up display. But at the same time. Well, you know, I, if the, you think but about. But at the same time, you're getting that data readout right there. And right? you don't have to take your eyes off of. Right. That situation. If you um, take it a little bit further, and maybe this gets a little bit into that creep factor um, that happens when people are, you know, just seeing technology for the first time for what it really is. But Snapchat is mapping your face every time right. they put a filter on there. Well, facial recognition could facial, also be a part of that too. Exactly. Or, it, you know, if it doesn't phone home to some database somewhere and instantly give, because I know that that technology yep. takes time right now. They have to run it against a whole giant database and that's not fast. But, um, you know, if, uh, if there's some kind of future where that helps kind of make that ID a little bit faster, a little bit easier without them having to put themselves in danger, like they would know, I don't know. I, I could see it being helpful. (laughs) I I see it also like, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a criminal. So I've never, so so I've never had uh, anything truly to worry about, but you know, like most people I've, I've been pulled over for speeding and you know, if 
you know, that police officer goes back to their car and they're like typing around on their computer. And for whatever reason, it's taken them an extra second or two. Um, well, that's a connectivity problem. It's probably a connectivity problem. It's probably not even a legit reason. You're, you're sitting there in your car and it's like, What's oh, taking so long? Oh, crap. What I, what'd I do? Did I forget? Did I, <laughs> did maybe I, I threw away a jury summons. Yeah. And all what? of a sudden I have a warrant out for my <laughs> What's going on? or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, the thing is like with AR, not only could you like get an instant feedback on who that person is, but um, maybe there's some social or some information like about them that like, do they have outstanding anything? They have a warrant you know? or they known carry around them around like, so you can see it. Right. Yeah. As the cop, you know, you would see that. And I, I would just think, um, if they had that information and it was readily available to them, uh, we know that like things like public internet are on their way. There's people working on that. Uh, so connectivity should get easier. Yeah. There's you know, this a lot move of stuff for 5G should, was, mm-hmm. is a big part of that because, you know, it should be better and faster and all of that. Um, you know, it's kind of, there's a lot of different parts and pieces that are moving forward that all have to get to a certain spot before this next iteration of right. what this we're headed towards. Still is the future. And it's a little bit foggy that, as to how far away that is, but sure. I think, but I think it's near future five years, maybe 10 years on a long end. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, if you go with, uh, you know, Evan Spiegel's, you mentioned him earlier with snap. Um, you know, he said in 2019, 10 years before you have AR glasses, like actual AR glasses, like we're right. talking about. And um, I don't know if that's right. I we're all just kind of guessing, you know. Like, I feel like it'll be sooner, but maybe not at the level people are. Like when well, we he, when we talk he was about saying it from the AR mass vision, adoption, yeah. he was saying for mass adoption, and he said that in 2019, ten years, so 2020. That makes more sense because I think the first couple versions of it will not be quite there enough that it'll realize kind of the vision that we've we've said. Like the example I gave with the police officer, I don't think that'll be like a V1 unless oh, sure. unless a unless V1, somebody's working on something specific for them. Yeah, but I mean, a V1 is what we're going to get soon. Right. Like very soon. You've got lots of forward momentum happening right now on that that can put that in your hands that you would be willing to put on your face. Well, I mean, last podcast, we talked about Ray-Bans and in real. And they, if they could actually combine each other's tech, they'd almost have a V1. You know, they're, they're very close. One has the cameras, the other is doing the projection. Right. Um, you know, it would still be rough around the edges and not do everything, but it would get you, it would get well, you closer. They, if they took the style from the air, I think it was, and put it on the light, <laughs> like, right. then you'd get there. Right. Um, yeah, it may, maybe the battery, you still have battery technology to move forward and, and, you know, connectivity, keep it. you have to have it on your phone. Yeah. And, like there's just, there's definitely a lot of pieces that have to move forward, but they are moving forward. Like that's the cool part. It's one of my favorite things about like when you see these conferences like CES, it's like, okay, how, how does this one thing that they're working on move the ball forward for all of it? Right. You know? And, uh, I, that it's maybe just the, yeah. the, the geek in me that kind of like, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Well, and you know, um, I also had a thought too, you know, I mentioned the police officers, but probably a better use of it is actually like firemen. Yes, I think so, I talked about that one at one point. Yeah, you know, if a fireman could walk into a building and the building was already mapped, yeah, it doesn't matter how much smoke is in that building, they could still make their way because they could see a, 
Well, the uh, thing is, maybe a, a mapped building has sensors. It knows how, like maybe it right. has thermal sensors and it can see where not only the fire is, but also people inside. Well, so and I'm also thinking, and rescue them. I'm also thinking too, you know, in those glasses, they can see kind of a, uh, you know, a ghosted version. We always make fun of when people see their, their buddy in, a, in the, they look like a force ghost, but maybe have a force ghost version of the building. So yeah, they literally can't see two inches in front of them because all the lights are off. It's the middle of the night and it's all smoky. Right. But they can still see an outline of where the walls are and where the stairway is and maybe even have something pointing, you know, if they're trying to go upstairs, even pointing them to where the staircase is and all that stuff. Well, if the building and, is, is a true digital twin. Then they it would have all that info all right the there. Real time information. Like I said, they would know exactly where the fire is and is not. Mm -hmm. They would know where there's visibility issues and where there is not. They would know where people are and are not. And that just makes the whole experience so much right. safer for them and, and more efficient. With some of these technologies getting smaller, um, I don't know how well LIDAR would work in a smoky building, but they're also talking about using things like radar and, and stuff like that, getting that small enough that, you know, for limited distance, you could use that. And I would think that would work well in that type of environment too. Well, you know, what's interesting, like when you think about what are the limitations of LIDAR, for example, I mean, I don't really know either. I haven't dove into that one too, too much, but they're using that from space in satellites to map the rainforest. Well, so I it's think gotta the, be pretty the, good. I think the interesting part to that is, just like I just said, I don't think it would work well in a smoky building. I, I may be completely wrong because, you know, the example you gave, they're shooting down through this rainforest. It looks like it has an impenetrable canopy of, of trees and finding ruins on yes. the ground somehow through. And, stuff. and I don't know if it's because there's just like this like pixel size clearing that the that the LIDAR is able to, you know, somehow reach the ground with or what, but it know. somehow maps all of that and can still see they can, these they can ruins. They can pull the tree and, canopy away and yeah, see the Yeah, and the, the topographical actual, ground on, yes. underneath. It's crazy that they can do that. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, just based on that, my innate thought, my gut reaction is that the smoke would not be an issue, but I don't know. No, I don't. I Probably don't should read up on that at some point because, you know, they're in our, we have LiDAR in our iPhones now and in our iPads and... You know, that's what's going to allow us to be able to map the world around us eventually. You know, I know that um, the Snap CEO, Spiegel, is, you know, he's he's very interested. Like I mentioned, he's not the only one. Um, I'm also a part of that group that wants to map the world. Like, we got to create this digital twin. We got to do it together. And he understands. Well, I think most of the companies do. They understand they can't do it alone. They have to get a community. Right. And so, um, you know, his vision, he's been very open about that. He's been coming at it from a uh, creating a relationship with his community to build that future together. And, um, I, you know, I think at its heart, that's the right direction. And I think a lot of companies recognize that they have to leverage a community in order to build the map. Right. So it's interesting to see, you know, when they come up with new technology um, how that might fuel that vision and move it forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and speaking of Evan Siegel, so Spiegel. last Spiegel, Siegel, he's not a Siegel. No. Uh, he's a, he's a Spiegel. Um, speaking of Evan Spiegel, uh, last week they launched their pixie drone. 
which is a, a selfie drone. So um, <clears throat> it can launch from the palm of your hand um, and it'll basically has the ability to... It's pretty small. It's pretty small. It fits in your pocket. Right. Um, I think it's the smallest one I've seen. So uh, when you start going, oh, it's, well, selfie drones... It's substantial, drones, is, which is like probably the most helpful part about it. Right. Because we've seen little drones. I mean, you see like little ones with remotes in the toy store. Right. Well, it's a it's little and it's autonomous and it's made to actually probably fit in your pocket. It looks like the 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 blades and stuff are very well protected, so they're not going to get broken off. Um, the price point's pretty low; it's like three hundred bucks. Right. So, in terms of um, drones, like that's not in horrible, terms of drones, especially given what you get for that and what you get for that. Now, selfie drones are not brand new. Uh, DJI has, uh, and I say that slow because I always kind of make the J sound like a G. But DJI has had a selfie drone for a while. Um, they've changed the name of it. I think it's a, an well, they, Air now. They started but... with Spark. I mean, technically, Mavics do it too. They yeah, have a Mavics do it. Feature. They have a follow me. But they're big and they have remotes and they require, I'm sure this requires an app on your phone. But, uh, and you could probably, some of those DJIs, you could actually just steer from your phone without a remote. But they, they were much larger and, I don't think the focus was ne necessarily on the selfie. No, aspect I don't think of that's it. DJI's like no. vision. I think they're just like, hey, we're building drones, and they're you know for taking high quality video. Yeah, and I, and I think that they're more of an enthusiast level. So if you're like, hey, I want to own a drone. Yeah, and I want to take you're gonna aerial drop some videos. coin for it. <laughs> uh, well, even their smaller I think Mavics ones, are like two or three grand, aren't they? Um, two they're, grand, they're not three grand uh, for sure. Uh, but even their low end one um, is about the, the same Air. price as the uh, Pixie, but it does have a remote. And so there's a couple things here. It depends on what you want out of it. The sure. Pixie is going to be something you pull out of your pocket. It's autonomous, so you don't have to have a remote. And the way they are describing it with their launch is you can essentially kind of turn it on and it does its thing. And I, I think that's important to say because that's a mass adoption thing. There's there's probably some... Yeah, something that you just... It just works. Yeah. We talked about the diversity of our listeners. We have people that are very technical. And I bet they're going to lean towards the DJI. They're going to they're gonna want sure. the enthusiast level thing. They'll want thing. a Mavic or a Phantom. Yeah. But, but I think the general public don't want something that's a hobby. They want something that's fun. Right. And they're going to want this thing that you pull out of your pocket and I'm at my party or I'm at my outdoor event or I'm at my whatever. Right. And I hit, you know, go. Take a picture of our group. And it goes up and takes a picture of my group and then lands back in my hand. And, you know, a couple minutes later, I, I do it again and I don't have to think about it. Right. And, and that has a lot of appeal. I mean, I actually looked at it and the more I read about it, I was like, I kind of want one because... When I now I don't have a DJI Air, so I can't speak to that one, but I do have a Mavic, and it's a it's an enthusiast thing. It's a process. You have to make sure the batteries are charged. You pack it all up. You unpack it. You unfold well, it. And when you, the batteries go bad, which they inevitably do, they're expensive. It's they're like, like seventy five bucks. bucks or whatever to go get a new one, which we just had happen. And it, we're kind of making the DJI sound like a bad product. It's not. I actually no, love we it. Love we our use our it all the time. Um, but it's a. It's a, it's a process as an enthusiast, but what I get out of that extra effort is I've got a lot longer fly time, which the person who's going to use the, um, 
the the pixie isn't going to care much about because they, they want to take some quick pictures. Right. Um, I have some more capabilities there. So they're really kind of two different, two different segments. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we re- recently had our, our dog get out and run off for two days and, um, we used our drone to try and scout neighboring neighborhoods to see if we could find him. Um, you know, we did a lot of other things as well that ended up bringing him home. But, um, the point is there was, it, had we not had that, we would have been kind of SOL because we couldn't get a, a high up view and the battery on that lasted 20, 25 minutes. So we were able to kind of send it out and really go, you can go a pretty good distance, um, with that remote or whatever. But, in terms of like being able to take a group picture out somewhere, you know, I've gone out with friends. I, instead of taking my phone and holding it way out and getting everybody into the picture, like you could just send this out in your room. It would just go out and it uses hand gestures to be able to tell what it needs to do. And you do the hand gesture and then it takes a picture. And then the next cool part about it is because it's snap, they have um, AR stuff that you can do with it. So once it ends up in the app. Yeah, you'll be able to apply their filters and their other stuff. And of course, you know, they have all kinds of like they're what they're trying to do is really kind of neat to see all the if you just take a step back and look at what they're doing like they're they want to build the map. And I get that. Right. So how are they going to move the ball forward? Well, they've got they've got glasses that take pictures of the world. They've got this drone, takes pictures of the world. It engages the community. They make filters. They have uh, land markers, lens studio that you can use for environments. You can pair that with anything that's being mapped by the spectacles or the... um, Well, I would even take it a step back. Like the the map's really important, but the map, the funny part about the map is that's going to fall to the background. And someday when the map is made, Nobody will think about the map. The right. map will kind of just kind of disappear. But all of this technology background. will keep the map updated because that's yes. the key component about right. this. It's not just having, you know, everything scanned and check you're done and announced it's that's just how it is. But it, you know, the it's the keeping it real time, like that that piece right. of the actual digital twin. Like that's it, what's important. And you get that when you have creators mass adopting these devices that all phone home and update that map in real time. But I think from, you know, the, the average consumer point of view, they're not thinking about the map side of it. Like that's, that's super important. No, they shouldn't have to. But what they're thinking about is. Unless they want to own it. (laughs) Where they're going, um, where Snap is going is, you know, they have their AR glasses. They now have their Pixie drone. Uh, they recently acquired the the tech to kind of uh, we keep saying read your mind, but it's not quite like that. But it can oh right read yeah, brain the next, waves next something. Um, yeah. But you know, from a consumer standpoint, what they're going to have is those three technologies working together. The the and more the I'm brain sure. reading stuff is going to be integrated into their AR glasses most likely, and then the AR glasses are going to um, maybe not right away. They'll probably be a peripheral peripheral. Peripheral. Uh, I promise I've only been drinking coffee this morning. Um, anyway, it'll be a, uh, you know, peripheral for your phone and then, but eventually it'll probably replace your phone and then it'll all talk to your pixie drone, which will probably have multiple versions getting better and better, but they'll, they'll probably all kind of work together to give you different experiences and that kind of stuff. So, 
it's a it all these little things are like baby steps to yes. a to a bigger thing. They're walking and lots of different areas forward, all kind of headed towards the same direction. And it's testing technologies. Like sure. I don't think they Snap's goal is to make a a, a cute little uh, selfie drone, even though it may be very fun. And they, uh, you know, they were probably testing technology and said this is fun enough that we could probably make a product out of it. Right. Um, and then recoup some of our research money. But at the end, you know, they're they're headed somewhere else. They're they're looking for something that has tracking technology, which would be important for AR glasses. They're looking for better, smaller camera technology, better battery life. They're looking for uh, some sort of locational, so that you know you, that drone doesn't just get launched and disappear somewhere. So all that stuff is all stuff that they're testing through probably that Pixie, and then. Also, the the glasses and all of those things. Right. Well, you know, Snap's mission is to empower people to express themselves, live in the moment, learn about the world, and have fun together. Right. Now, the, the other side of this is the, the drone is actually pretty simple, but it looks like it'd be a lot of fun. So yeah. everybody should check out some of the links and, and see what see if it's going to be, you know, fun, fun for you. But it's kind of funny, too. Spiegel was asked a lot about the metaverse and he doesn't actually like the term metaverse and he said it was kind of ambiguous and and that kind of thing and a lot of people jumped all over that like he doesn't like think the metaverse is like a real thing but I actually think he's got the same frustration that we've kind of talked about here where yeah. the metaverse is actually used too much um we you know meta has their horizons and people call that the metaverse and they call the sandbox the metaverse and all this stuff is just referred to as I'm building the metaverse where the metaverse will be a much bigger, broader, broader thing. Um, he was just, he was quoted as they don't, uh, the reason we don't use that word is because it's pretty ambiguous and hypothetical. Just ask a room of people how to define it. And everybody's definition is totally different. And I actually agree with that quote. I don't think that means he doesn't think there's a real word for the metaverse. I just think, He's at the point where we've not arrived at the metaverse yet. So, you know, describing every little thing that would be part of the metaverse as the metaverse is wrong. And right. he's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's funny because, you know, everybody's got kind of a different approach to this. And um, I I think I would love to have, sit down and have a conversation with this guy, honestly, like because I think we're going to be on the same page. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And Maybe I, someday I think in the future. His vision, I think his vision of where we're headed is kind of fun. Um, he says, when we look at our approach, like as Snapchat, when we look at our approach to hardware, it's really just about extending the core of what people are doing and love about Snapchat. And if you think about like this vision of the future, we continually talk about here, mm -hmm. you know, gosh, wouldn't it be fun if, you know, the way that they have AR filters for your face and how fun they are. And, you know, people love them. Right. You know, that sometimes it's as simple as just some makeup or whatever on your face. And sometimes it's, you know, fun things like vomiting rainbows or whatever it <laughs> what, is. Whatever right? it might be. Or pizza, turning a building into pizza. Like we've talked about it before with their, um, you know, lands, Landmarkers Lens Studio. But if you think about that, like, What's so bad about that? Like that's, it's, that's just, that's going to be fun. That's a fun way to experience the world around you. Well, I don't remember where the poll was, but you know, there was a, 
something I read somewhere along the lines where they basically asked a lot of people, because uh, there's so much negativity around social media right now. Sure. Uh, who was the most fun social media platform? And social media is getting rough too because what people consider social media is ever expanding too. Sure. But Snapchat was named the most fun. Like out of all the social media platforms out there, people wanted to participate more on Snapchat than anything else because there was less toxicity and there was a lot more fun built into it than there are on other platforms. And then I think TikTok was number two. Uh, but you know, like your Facebooks and your Twitters and all of those things were much further down and I can see that. I mean, you've got Facebook has turned into, um, you know, it was the cool thing when I was much younger and you know, the younger people don't get on there anymore. So it's just, it's all people my age putting up their political memes. Yeah. And you know, that's not fun. Like I don't, I don't want to hear that, see that. Right. Twitter became all about like news really. And yeah, it's become the nation's megaphone. Yeah, I think that's why you see people, you know, younger people, especially like gravitating towards something like this, because in the end, that vision of the future, that that's what is exciting to me. Like that's that's what I envision in my head. I'm like, oh, gosh, wouldn't it be cool if it would be like that? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I I expect it will be. Yeah, I really do. Well, it's funny. We've, We've talked in the past about people that are headed in the right direction. And a lot of people have pointed to like epic games for headed in the right direction. I think they are maybe in that VR world. Um, but on the AR world, I think, you know, it's snap. They might be headed in the right direction. Now, not to say they're going to be the, the Kings and there's not somebody in stealth mode. That's going to pop out with something really cool. Or, you see, there's, there's good things and things they've just missed on, you know? And I think I I just want to focus on the good right now because I think they'll figure out some of the other stuff. Right. And we know how it works. Somebody's going to come out with amazing hardware and somebody will make the software for it. Right. And, you know, Snap's getting into the hardware side, um, which is interesting. I always think it's interesting when a software company starts to get into more of the hardware side. But But it also makes sense because no choice. They have no choice because it doesn't exist. Yeah. They've got to kind of help move that that ball forward. So, yeah. Well, with that, make sure you subscribe. Leave us a review. Leave us a review, comments, anything out there. Um, Listen to us on the, the next podcast. Yes. Thanks so much.